Hello, this is a Trevor Jackson podcast sponsored by Anchor app. Good morning. Good morning. What's really good, man? Hey, I appreciate y'all tuning in to the Cabernet Conversation. Uh, I've watched this doc multiple times. It's called The Red Summer, 1919, Knoxville, The Red Summer. And it's about, like, riots. It's about, like, lynching. It's, uh, you know, racism. I'm tired of discussing racism because I feel like it's ignorant to judge and to hate and cause people to be fearful because of a color of their skin or differences that they may have. I feel like it's ignorant, but we got to touch on the topics. We got to get to it. And uh, if y'all want to say something in the comment section and join the discussion, man, for real, real talk. But subscribe to the channel. I appreciate everybody to tune in to the show all the time. Oh, I'm back <laughs> on the last Cabernet Conversations. I know the show is named Cabernet Conversation, but I'm back. This is what we we sipping on today. I can't even pronounce it. You know what I'm saying? Check it out. This is what we sipping on. I'm back. Got my health up, my energy up, and I'm back on the Cabernet. Had just a glass, man. I ain't going to overdo it, but let me be quiet, man. Let's get on into the podcast. Chill. Hey, man, I've been studying and reading a lot about black history lately and about our people, because I feel like if you don't know about the past, then you don't know what to expect in the future or the past might become part of your future. So, like, I just been doing my research and my research led me to Knoxville's Red Summer, 1919. That was 102 years ago, the Red Summer. And like, it was a man accused of raping a white woman, Maurice uh, Mays in Knoxville. He was a prominent uh, man. He was a, they want, I don't even want to, I don't like using the word mulatto or whatever because it's tension in between that. And then we have a female rapper called mulatto, but I don't like that. I don't know why. Is that a derogatory uh, term calling a person a mulatto, a mixed individual? That's mixed with multiple races, but he was accused of killing a white lady. And uh, I just want to know, like, why all black men and just men in general downfall be from drugging women, raping women, uh, R. Kelly peeing on women, having sex with underage women? Why is that our downfall? We can't control ourselves like you can't control the dog nature in you or drooling and wanting to have sex with people that bad that's that's like crazy man to me for real are are these people being falsely accused hmm that's another thing are they being falsely accused is this is this the the thing that's bringing us down that they're using against us whoever they are but is this what they're using against us sex 
But let's get on into the video, man. This is part of the doc. I'm going to play part of the doc and I'm going to talk. And we're going to get into this doc. And I hope y'all enjoy the show. Chill. Knoxville had been growing really since 1870. After the Civil War, freed slaves had come in from the countryside looking for a new life. So had rural whites. There's a post-war population explosion. And Knoxville takes off briefly as a poster child for the New South. And for some of these whites coming in, it's the first time they've ever worked beside a black person. They're living, some of them almost side by side. And there's a lot of conflict going on. Even though the city leadership tries to turn a blind eye to it, it's there. And as a matter of fact, there had been a study done by a University of Tennessee graduate student in 1919 in which she predicted these conditions will lead to some sort of racial violence if something isn't done. Knoxville was a stage city where race relations were, were pretty good. Black people knew their place and stayed in it. And I think we had a white paternalistic society that left black people to their own devices as long as they didn't create a lot of trouble. To me, it was interesting how the local newspapers described the black community. For example, the Corner Vine in Central was a place where there were a number of black establishments, whether they were grocery stores or taxicab companies or shoeshine parlors. That area was described as Little Harlem. And of course, that, that's kind of a compliment because Harlem was a very thriving place in New York City and to be. Okay, okay, okay. Let me get get back into the discussion with y'all. Okay, so me being an individual from Knoxville, born and raised in Knoxville, lived the majority of my life. I'm not talking bad about the city because it's aspects of the city that I love, but Tell me if uh, you feel this way, if you're a black individual from Knoxville. Do you feel out of place? Like, I feel like I don't belong there. Like, when I lived there, I felt like I didn't belong. I'm in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina at this moment, and I love it. It's more people that look like me. It's more prominent people that is uh, just doing big things and they're focused. And I don't feel out of place for some reason. But at home, I just felt out of place. Like, it's just an aura of this is not where I belong. Like, it's probably no disrespect because I have white friends and I love white individuals. It's multiple white friends that I have there. Like, a lot more. Prob I probably have more white friends in Knoxville, Tennessee than I do black. And it's because of the, like, it's, it's just the dynamics of the city is just more but let's get back on into the uh the dock the red summer and we're gonna get into the meat of the dock let's get on into it compared to that i think had to be received as a compliment well, 1919 was a very volatile year all across the country it was certainly the just after the end of World War I, 
And there were a number of black men coming back to this country, having fought overseas. And they were coming back into a racial situation that, that they just couldn't appreciate because they had had some measure of freedom and dignity overseas, but had to come back to this country and suffer from racial indignities. And consequently, there were a number of race riots throughout the country. My memory tells me that there were at least 25 of them across the United States. And James Weldon Johnson, who was head of the NAACP, termed it the Red Summer, because in many cases, some of the streets literally ran with red with blood. In addition to the racial and labor tensions that are going on nationwide, there was a great deal of political tension. The mayor, John E. McMillan, is up, was up for re-election. One of the reasons that the mayor was controversial at that time was his progressive attitude towards race relations. He had been elected largely with black votes. He had made an address to the black business leaders denouncing the riots elsewhere, denouncing, he had denounced lynching, and it said that he personally intended to make sure that nothing like that could ever happen in Knoxville. There had been threats against black voters, warnings that uh, black voters should stay home on election day, threatening posters had been posted around town. The mayor had a lot of black campaign workers, one of them being Maurice Mays. Maurice Mays had spent that entire day campaigning for the mayor, handing out campaign flyers and poll tax receipts. In those days, Tennessee has a poll tax. You have to pay the poll tax in order to vote. But if someone pays the poll tax for you and you have a receipt, that's perfectly fine. And he had been handing out poll tax receipts all day to black voters with the understanding that they would vote for John E. McMillan. Maurice Mays was rumored to be the illegitimate son of the mayor, John E. McMillan. And according to members of McMillan's family, it was acknowledged as true. His mother had been a young maid who left Knoxville shortly after his birth. He was about six months old when he was adopted by William and Francis Mays. Maurice Mays was a black fellow who was very handsome, who liked white women and white women liked him. And certainly 1990. Women, here we go. Now we're getting into the meat of the show. This is the discussion that I wanted to have. Like women being a black man, I consider uh, anybody with uh, a molecular of black in you, you black in this country because you're colored. And uh, I can get into the genetic survival of the white race, but I don't want to get involved into that right now. Let's listen to what the man has to say about Maurice uh, Mays and him being involved with the white woman and what happened, why the hate built up. Teen was not the year, the year to have this, these kinds of relationships. So there was a police officer in Knoxville who knew about Mays' activities and had warned him about dating white women and threatened to put him in the penitentiary if he were ever to catch him and to do other terrible things to him if he caught him. A white woman by the name of Bertie Lindsay wound up murdered. The 27-year-old Bertie Lindsay was born Bertie Smith in Lee County, Virginia. 
1916, she married Daniel P. Lindsay, a carpenter from Dandridge, Tennessee, and worked at the Standard Knitting Mill. Her bedroom assault and murder at 1612 8th Avenue in North Knoxville was witnessed by her younger cousin, Ora Smith. Well, the policeman who hated Mays was investigating the case, and he said, I know exactly who that murderer was. So they went to Mays' house and rousted him out of bed and took him to the scene of the crime, put him under a dimly lit uh, street lamp, and the woman identified him uh, as, as the murderer. This, this woman had been sleeping in the bed with her cousin who was murdered, who said that it was a black man who committed the crime and identified Mays as the murderer. And he said, that couldn't be. I've never been in this neighborhood before. I don't know anybody here. Mays was taken to the Knox County Jail. And Mayor McMillan had gotten him out of trouble early on when he was about 17 years old. So people thought that McMillan would get him out of this. He's already expressing fears to the sheriff. Uh, it's not safe. They're going to try to lynch me. There was apparently a brief mention in the morning paper, the Knoxville Journal and Tribune, to the effect that. So uh, I ain't going to continue to play that video because I played enough of it. But I'm not going to continue to keep playing that video. But what they said that they couldn't catch that man for a while. And it started lynchings. It started like a whole bunch of killings in the black communities. And uh, they was upset because he murdered a white woman. And what the man previously said in that show is that uh, blacks, we was going to war in World War One for the white man's ideology for what the white man thought that we should be going to war for. And then imagine like you go to war for their thoughts and their concerns. And then you come back home and your people are getting killed and you have to protect your people because the tactics that you learned from war, now you get to use them to protect your people on your home soil. So that's what they was about to get involved in and talk about that. And uh, the case with Maurice Mays, uh, he uh, ended up dying in uh, the case. He was found guilty. He went to jail. They uh, was going to give him the uh, death penalty, but they didn't. And uh, research that, man, that's like good history for the hometown, man. It just was intriguing to me that those type of things was happening. And I can feel the tension still to this day in 2021 at home between blacks and whites. We just recently had a, a officer. Man, this officer's doing all type of stuff. I was hindered as a young boy for driving and stuff and getting citations and tickets that was illegal. They was illegal. They was giving me citations for stuff that I wasn't even doing. But uh, Maurice Mays, this is what they said in 2019, the hundredth year of the Red Summer in Knoxville. What should be done about the Maurice Mays situation? He should be exonerated. They said Maurice May should be exonerated. And shout out to Gwen McKenzie. She's on this video before we head off. And she's speaking on this video about uh, the exoneration of Maurice Mays. I appreciate you, Gwen, all the work that you're doing in the city and showing out and joining the discussion with us on the podcast. Thank you so much. 
Yeah, but let's get into this right quick. So by exonerating Maurice Mays, we highlight history and we get it right this time. Knoxville City Council is asking Governor Bill Lee to exonerate Maurice Mays more than 100 years after he was sentenced to death. Mays was accused of killing a white woman in Knoxville in 1919, though experts say there is no evidence that he actually did it. Reporter Gabrielle Hayes reintroduces us to his story and the Beck Cultural Exchange Center's fight to clear his name. It's a story that dates back a century and an injustice that's hard to forget. There was a young man whose life was taken. Maurice Mays was executed in 1922 for killing a white woman in Knoxville, a crime many say the evidence suggests he could have never committed. We can't forget that. 101 years later, Knoxville City Council recognized that injustice by unanimously passing a resolution asking Governor Lee to exonerate Mays, a process spearheaded by the Beck's Renee Kessler. We recognize that his Black life still matters today. A moment Vice Mayor Gwen McKenzie says the entire council was glad to be a part of. Everyone wanted their names to be listed in history on that resolution. Every single member of the council co-sponsored the resolution. Kessler sat with that moment. So I think for me that was very humbling. Something happened here that was big. We, we, we can't forget that. It's a fight several mayors, Beck leaders, and attorneys have tried to make happen in the past. But today hey, man, that's, that's a beautiful thing that they got the man's name exonerated for a crime that he didn't do. Where does all this hate stem from, man? Like, where does all this hate stem from and racism and race, race wars? Like, I don't understand it. And I just want to say, man, I kind of agree with Dr. Umar Johnson when he said don't date outside your race. I kind of agree with that. But don't hold me to that. Don't hold me to that. But I kind of agree with it because, like, mm, the queens understand us more. They know what we're going through. They know uh all type of stuff about us and those the other uh, races can't relate to what we got to say what's going on man they might feel like we're gonna get him knocked off they can say one thing you can get life in prison man and at that time in 1919 imagine if a white lady said he raped me or he killed me it's it, it and you being a black man it's like the whole world is against you then you don't know what to do and it's like that in 2021 this ain't our country at the end of the day. But uh, I want to read something by Traveler James Weir. This was written in 1798 in Knoxville, Tennessee. Traveler James Weir. Google the name Traveler James Weir. And I'm going to read what The Rock says. I've seen this rock personally at the uh, Calhouns. It's behind the Calhouns on the river at home. on I think that's Nayland Drive. In Knoxville, Tennessee, but I'm going to read the rock out to y'all now before we head off on the podcast. In the infant town of Knox, the houses are irregular and interspeed. It was county court day when I came. I saw jesting, singing, swearing, women yelling from doorways. Whiskey and peach brandy were cheap. The town was confused with the promiscuous throng of every denomination. Blanket-clad Indians. Leather-shirted woodsmen, gamblers, hard-eyed and vigilant, I stood aghast. 
My soul shrank back to hear the horrid oaths and dreadful indignities offered to the supreme governor of the universe. There was what I never did see before on Sunday, dancing, singing, and playing of cards. It was said by a gentleman of the neighborhood that the devil is grown so old that it renders him incapable of traveling and that he has taken up in Knoxville and their hopes to spend the remaining days of his days as he believes he is among friends. Traveler James Weir, 1798. Hey, I appreciate y'all tuning in to the podcast. Peace, love, and abundance. Go and get you some money. Jackson Podcast.